want to take this opportunity to again welcome you to the services and if you do consider yourself a visitor I know the congregation here wants to make sure that you especially uh, feel welcome we're going to continue tonight in our series talking about the faces at the cross and just to do a short recap Sunday morning we talked about uh, the suffering of Jesus and we walked through the story and and kind of took a journey of what it might have been like to have been with Jesus the last few days that he was here on the earth and ultimately concluding with that tragic, horrific death that he suffered on the cross. Sunday afternoon or evening, we talked about the importance of us being obedient um, in baptism to come in contact uh, with that death and appreciate the song Brother Scott just led. It's through the cross that we have the promise of an eternal home with God. Uh, Last night, we talked about a loyal friend. And as you consider your discipleship and your relationship with Jesus, I I hope that you strive to be a disciple like John. One that didn't run away when things got difficult. One that was there to the very end with Jesus. Because I want to tell you, for us to make it to heaven, it takes a life of faithfulness. The Bible tells us to be thou faithful unto death, and that he will give us a crown of of life. So we're going to continue this evening, and to do that, I want us to look at another apostle. And of course, this apostle was not at the foot of the cross as Jesus took his dying breaths. Uh, He had fled, um, just like all the other apostles, save John. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. And Brother Brad did not know this, but what he talked to the young people this morning about works perfectly Uh, into the opening of our lesson tonight. Brother Brad talked to us this morning in our devotional time about the idea of service and the importance to following the example of Jesus and that Jesus, even in his last night on the earth, knowing what he was about to suffer, he was concerned about the example that he was leaving to those closest to him and those disciples, those apostles that would serve him. And what did he do? He washed their feet. So I want us to look at this example in John chapter 13 because this individual that we're going to discuss tonight was there with Jesus that final night. He was one that Jesus washed his feet and left him a perfect example of servitude. John chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself." After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel therewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not... Thou hast no part in me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. 
For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. Do you imagine being one of the twelve and enjoying Jesus' last meal on this earth? You know, in Luke's account of this final supper and this celebration of the Passover feast, the Bible says that Jesus desired to eat this Passover with his dearest friends, the apostles. Do you imagine being invited to the last supper of Jesus? Be a pretty special invitation, wouldn't it? And Jesus is there surrounded by the 12 men that he had chosen out of this world to ultimately proclaim who he was. And they had already gone out in the limited commission and been given great powers and the ability to preach the message of repentance for the kingdom of heaven was at hand or that it was coming very soon. And they preached that message. And now all 12 are gathered with Jesus on his last night. They're enjoying the Passover. And what does Jesus do? He wraps a towel around his waist, gets a bowl of water, And gets down on his hands and knees. Now think about this. The creator of all things. Emmanuel. God with us. Is on his hands and knees washing the disgusting feet of a creation that he had made. And he said, you know why I'm doing this? I'm doing this so that you understand the example of what you ought to be to one another. All 12 of the apostles had their feet washed that night. One of them that had their feet washed was the very one that would betray him. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus washed his feet anyway. You know, there are a lot of biblical names in the audience tonight, aren't there? We learned about John. Where's John? There's John. <laughs> I said, we're going to talk about John. He said, that's me. <laughs> Every time I said John, I said, that's me. That's right. And there's significance to the names that we pick out. I, we took time picking out our children's names, and we didn't want the regular John, Matthew, Luke. We went Old Testament, Josiah, Ezra, Malachi. And so where, where'd y'all get those names? Well, from the Bible. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we take time to choose names. You know what name I never hear? You ever know anybody named Judas? I I know, I actually do know someone named Judas, but I want to tell you, it's very rare, isn't it? Because the very name brings to mind a lot of negative thoughts, doesn't it? Because when we hear the name Judas, immediately, what does our mind go to? It goes to the one, he betrayed Jesus. He was one of the closest friends. He was in the inner circle. And then he turned his back on him and betrayed him with a kiss and turned him over to those authorities that would murder and put him to death. And I venture to say, you're not going to name your children Judas because of that very reason. But what if I told you tonight, Judas wasn't all bad. Would you believe that? No, (laughs) you wouldn't. Because when we hear the name Judas, it's evil, it's wicked, it's a betrayer. And nobody would want to be known by that 
But I want you to understand, Judas was a man who had temptations and passions just like us. Now the end of Judas is a tragic reminder of what sin can do when we don't repent properly. And we're going to study about that tonight. And we're going to study tonight about one that if he would have been at the foot of the cross that day, the trajectory of his life and possibly his eternity would have been different. But he wasn't there. In Matthew chapter 26, we see that this man named Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. The Bible says, Matthew 26, beginning of verse 47, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he, holding fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. I want you to understand, words have meaning, don't they? And when Judas comes to Jesus, notice what Judas says. Judas says, Hail, Master! And then he embraces Jesus, surely as he had done countless times, and he gave him that kiss. And by that kiss, he betrayed the Son of God. And he identified who Jesus was so that that mob could come and take him into custody and ultimately begin the process of executing the Son of God. But you know what Jesus called Judas? Look at that. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen. Jesus knew this day was going to come. Jesus knew there would be one that would betray him. Jesus knew it was Judas. And Judas comes to him and says, Hail, Master, and kisses him. And and Jesus says, what? Friend. You ever hurt a friend's feelings? You ever lied to a friend or betrayed a friend? And that friend still treats you right? That stings, doesn't it? What do you think Judas experienced as he knew he was betraying Jesus and Jesus still looked at him and said, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Why, why are you here right now? See, Jesus was asking a rhetorical question that he already knew the answer to, but he wanted Judas to recognize what he was doing. Oh, Judas logically knew this process, but Judas didn't understand the implications of what was about to happen. And Judas had made a tragic error of judgment. Judas was not at the cross. And we know this because the scriptures tell us what Judas did when he realized that Jesus was condemned to die. I want to tell you, it's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's tragic. The Bible's descriptive about the end of Judas. And we share this not to make anyone uncomfortable, but we share this because it's a truth. 
And Judas, instead of repenting of his sin and finding the disciples and going and repenting of that sin, instead realizes the gravity of the decision that he's made, and he goes and makes a horrible choice and takes his own life. I want to tell you, there are young people, old people, every day, guess what they choose to do? They choose to take their own lives. And oftentimes it's because of guilt and shame and pain that they can't escape and they don't understand, they don't have an answer, they haven't understood the freedom and the liberty that lies within Jesus Christ, and they make that choice. And we're not here to talk about their eternal state. That is up to God. But I want you to understand, no matter what sin you've committed, no matter how ugly and bad you think that sin is, Because Jesus died on the cross, there's a way home. There's forgiveness. And your life doesn't have to end tragically as Judas's did. Matthew 27 verse 1 says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now stop there for a second. Isn't that interesting? Because there's a line of logic and thinking here that Judas really didn't think Jesus would die. Because what was Judas's problem? He was covetous, wasn't he? He was selfish. He kept the bag. He kept the money. He'd steal money. And make it his own. And he was greedy. And when he knew he could get 30 pieces of silver from these chief priests and these elders who hated Jesus, maybe he had in his mind, I'll take that money and Jesus won't die. He's the Son of God. (laughs) They can't kill Jesus. Jesus can save himself. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Think of everything Judas would have seen. He would have seen all the miraculous things that Jesus did and he would have known and had faith in that. So there's a line of logic that says Judas didn't really think Jesus would die. But now he remember, he really is confronted with the truth that Jesus is now condemned. And what does Judas do? The Bible says he repented. You know what it means to repent? The Bible tells us there are two types of repentance. Or sorrow. One is worldly. And sometimes that's what we say, well, you say you're sorry when you get caught. And then there's another type of sorrow or repentance that brings about a change in the way that you act and you behave. You ever done something wrong and, yeah, when you got caught you said you were sorry, but it really didn't change anything? I'll tell you, that's kind of where we find Judas. As he realizes the gravity of what he's done, it repents him. He takes those 30 pieces of silver, he takes them back to the chief priest and the elders and says, I don't want to have anything to do with this, but you know what? The deed was already done. The betrayal had already happened. Look at verse 4. It says, Saying I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Judas took his own life because of the weight of his own sin. You know, could Judas have had a different outcome? 
of all the people that we read of in the New Testament, I believe Judas could have been the greatest restoration story of all time. Judas, if he had gone to the cross and seen his Savior dying for his sins, could have had a wonderful message to teach the world. But instead, he robbed God of that by taking his own life to escape the punishment of his own sins in a worldly sense. See, at one time, Judas was one of the select twelve that Jesus called. In Matthew 10, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now understand something. When Jesus called Judas, he didn't say, Judas, come follow me, you're the betrayer. This is Matthew writing it after the fact that all these things had already happened. Okay? He called Judas to be an apostle and a follower of his, and he gave him power and authority. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 16, as Peter is speaking there to the disciples who had gathered in Jerusalem, waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit, listen to what Peter says about Judas. He says, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus, For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. So what did Peter say about Judas? He was one of us. He's one of the twelve. He really was no different than them. Was John perfect? We studied last night. He had an anger problem, didn't he? One of the sons of thunder. Was Peter perfect? Peter denied Jesus three times the same night. Peter stuck his foot in his mouth time and time again. Judas was in the twelve. And verse 18 says, Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist, and all his bowels gushed out. That's not fun to think about, is it? What if I told you that we know people who, because of the gravity of their sin, have contemplated this very thing of taking and ending their own life? Would you be surprised by that? I wish I could say yes. But we deal in a broken world. We live in a world where when we understand and we come to the knowledge of our sin, if we don't understand the offering of Jesus Christ, we get desperate in a physical, worldly sense, and we see that as an option. I want to tell you tonight, that's no option. The option is to, in tears of repentance, go to your Savior. Because He will always be there. You see, Judas willingly followed Jesus. I want you to get your Bibles. I don't have this passage up on the PowerPoint, but I want you 
to read this with me tonight. And it's found in Luke chapter 9. We said this on Sunday afternoon that Jesus was very blunt about what it required to follow him. He was very exclusive in the things that he taught concerning what it meant to be a disciple and a student of himself. So in Luke chapter 9, beginning there in verse 57, he gives a description of the cost of discipleship. It says, And when it came to pass that they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, farewell, which are at my home in my house. And Jesus said to him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus made no bones about it and said, if you're going to really follow me, nothing else ever is put before me. And what do we do? Do we ever put anything before Jesus? You ever miss church to go on a vacation? You ever miss church to go to a ball game? You ever miss church to go to a concert? You ever miss church to go do something else that you just would rather do? Are you putting something else before Jesus? What would Jesus say about that? Are you really my disciple? And it's more than just coming to a building and coming to church. I want to tell you, Judas understood that. Judas willingly followed. After understanding what Jesus demanded, Judas continued to do and follow the example of Jesus. Jesus discouraged the insincere from following him. He never forced a disciple to follow him. And Jesus even asked the twelve on another occasion, would you also go away? Because as long as Jesus was feeding everybody and he was speaking a lot of good things, it was a good way of living, you know, thousands of people followed. But then some of his teaching got difficult. And he started talking about, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And you know what? People started walking away. And Jesus turned to the twelve and said, are you going to go away also? And Peter chimed in and said, what? Where would we go? You have the words of life and we know you are the Christ. Where would we go? I want to tell you, there are a lot of people that come and follow Jesus for a while, but then when things get hard, guess what? They leave. You know what I believe Judas is an example of? He's one that followed for a while, but he forgot who he was serving. And even in a brief moment of weakness, he made a tragic decision and took his own life. See, what would have motivated Judas to accept what required sacrifice and no material gain? Jesus never promised them they would get rich. You know, I could see Judas being a thief and being greedy and covetous, saying, hey, if I follow Jesus, I can get rich off of him. Jesus, in fact, told him, you'll have nothing. You'll be poor. 
I don't even have a place to lay my head. And Judas still followed him. You know what that tells me about Judas? At some point, he was very sincere in his walk in following Jesus. You know, Judas had the confidence of the other apostles. You say, how do we know that? Matthew 26 and 21, that scene that we read about at the beginning of our study this evening, in Matthew's account, the Bible says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Isn't that interesting? So I want to tell you, if it was very apparent that Judas was such a horrible person, when Jesus makes that remark at that dinner, don't you think the other 11 would have been like, it's Judas. But none of them did that, did they? Instead, all of them asked, is it me? Peter looked at the Lord and said, Lord, is it I? John looked at Jesus and said, is it I? Today, it's all of the apostles. Is it me? That means Judas had the confidence of the other apostles. You ever seen the, the bad preacher? It's a YouTube video. It's very short. The honest preacher, sorry. Bad preacher. I'm sure that one's out there too. Don't go look that up though. Um, <laughs> honest preacher. And, and he gets up and he says, you know, I took a vow not to say who was the worst, but Bob, you're the worst. <laughs> and I kind of think that's what they would have done with Judas. If they really knew, they really thought he was such a horrible person, they would have pointed it out. But instead, they all said, Lord, am I the one that's going to betray you? That tells us a little bit about Judas, doesn't it? That he wasn't as evil and wicked as we like to make him out to be. He had the confidence of those other apostles. Those apostles were given power to cast out demons. Now, this is going to take a little bit of logic, so follow me. Matthew 10 and verse 7, in the limited commission, as Jesus sends them out, he says, go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Who had this power? The twelve. Jesus, yes. The correct answer is always Jesus. So I tell the young people, if you get a Bible question you don't know, just say Jesus because you got a good chance of being right. So... But in this case, yes, Jesus had that power. But the apostles, he gave them that power. So when they would go out and preach this message, they could display that power so people would believe the message that they were teaching. Who was in that 12? Judas, wasn't he? Now, let's go to another teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. You know, Jesus cast out demons. And on one occasion when he cast out these demons, the Pharisees saw it and heard about it. And what did they say? Oh, he's casting those demons out by the power of Beelzebub. And what did Jesus say? Verse 25, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And you say, well, what does that mean? Here's what that means. Jesus gave Judas the authority and power to cast out demons. We'd all agree with that, right? Jesus is saying, 
Satan wouldn't cast out Satan. So what's this mean about Judas at this moment? Satan hadn't hadn't entered into his heart yet. If he had the power to go and cast out demons, Satan wouldn't cast out Satan. So Jesus had chosen Judas knowing, hey, yeah, he's going to be the one that betrays me, but there's still something good and redeeming about Judas at this moment. And he had that opportunity. And he wasted it. You see, no one argued with Jesus' logic here. And would Jesus have chosen a child of Satan to cast out Satan? This would undermine what he just taught in Matthew chapter 12. So Judas wasn't evil his entire existence in his life. But there was a marked point where Satan entered into him. You know, Jesus even said that Judas was one of his. In Matthew cha- or John chapter 17, I'm sorry, beginning in verse 6, as Jesus prays, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of this world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words without which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now, later on in that chapter, in verse 12, he says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. You know when something becomes lost after you had it? Could you lose something you never had? You ever thought about that? One time, Judas belonged to Jesus. But Judas had become a very sad exception in becoming lost. Because of the decisions and choices that he made that led him to betray the Son of God. I want to tell you, those choices were his choices and his decisions. God gives all of us free will. And that means as long as I have a breath in me, I can with that breath make a decision to serve God or I can make a decision to betray him and rebel against him. You have that ability tonight. Acts chapter 1 and verse 25 there in Jerusalem again on the day of Pente- before the day of Pentecost and the inception of the kingdom of God. Peter says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 teaches us the danger and what a transgression is. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. You see, Judas became a transgressor or a sinner against God and by the betrayal of Christ. But up until that point, he was part of the twelve accepted in that ministry. But Judas had become a petty thief. John chapter 12 and verse 4 says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. So Judas sees Mary bring this uh, ointment of spikenard, and she anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with the hairs of her head. And Judas, instead of seeing that as a worthy uh, moment of dedication to the Savior, instead says what? We could have taken that and sold it and made money. And he says we could have given it to the poor and say, what a noble cause. But you see, Jesus saw the motives and God knows the heart. And said Judas didn't care about the poor. He carried the money box. And if all that money from what was sold was in that box, guess what he could do? He could take some out of that box and put it in his own pocket. He had become a petty thief. And that sin of covetousness and greed ultimately led to the other decisions and choices that Judas made that caused him to betray Jesus. Jesus. Judas and Jesus together. John chapter 6, Judas had become a devil. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Jesus knew it all along. Which makes it even more powerful, the example of servitude that Jesus performed to Judas the night that Judas betrayed him. Knowing Judas was there, knowing Judas had betrayed him, knowing he was about to die, Jesus still got on hands and knees and washed the feet of the betrayer. Because don't you think there was a part of Jesus that might have been hopeful that Judas, even though he had made a bad mistake in betraying him, would find himself looking at the Savior on the cross and finding redemption and salvation. And Jesus always gave humanity a chance. And he did that with Judas. But Judas made plans. And tonight I want you to understand, you don't just slip and find yourself in sin. You plan to be there. Think about all the decisions that Judas made. Luke 22, just these verses. The Bible says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being the number of the twelve, and he went his way. Judas went his way. He communed with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. At any point, at this point, this moment in time, what could Judas have done? I'm done. I'm not doing this. But he didn't do that. He made choice after choice after choice that led him down this road. Young people, understand the reality of sin. You mess around, you get too close to it, it's going to hurt you. You make choices that put yourself in positions to where you're tempted. Guess what? It'll get a hold of you. And before you know it, you're going to be so far away. And you say, how did I get here? You got there because you played around with it too much. 
That's why it's important to just control your mind and your heart and not even put yourself in those positions to begin with. You know what the Bible says about alcohol? Proverbs chapter 20 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and those that are deceived thereby are not wise. You know how many lives have been destroyed because of alcohol? Millions. You know how many homes have been broken up because of addiction to alcohol? Thousands and thousands. And you sit there today and say, well, the Bible didn't tell me I can't drink. No, you're right. It doesn't. But are you going to make a wise choice or are you going to put yourself in a situation to where you're tempted to then cross a line? And here's what I know. Every alcoholic started with one drink. And you might say, hey, I can control. The Bible says it's a mocker. People think they can control it and it ends up controlling them. I want to tell you, that's any sin. That's any sinful behavior. That's just one example that's very prominent and I believe applicable to this audience tonight. To consider the choices and decisions because nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to break up my home. I want to destroy my family. I want to be in rehab because... No, no one wakes up one day and says that, but choice after choice after choice leads you to that if you're not careful. And what did Judas do? He made decision after decision after decision that contributed to his betrayal of Jesus. And at any point, he could have changed. In John 13, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, You are not all clean. The plan was clear. Judas had done the deed. He had betrayed Jesus. Jesus knew it. And Jesus would go die because of the betrayal of his friend. Matthew account. This way, in Matthew 26 and verse 25, Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Essentially, he said, Judas, you know. (laughs) You said it. I don't have to tell you. You ever been confronted with something you did wrong, you knew you did wrong? Nobody has to tell you you did wrong, do they? You know it. But ultimately, what do you do with it? Judas experienced guilt because of what he did wrong. I want to tell you, when you sin, you ought to feel guilty. And I know our society goes way out of our way to appease guilt and assuage guilt. And no one should feel, I want to tell you, if you're sinning in the sight of God, you ought to feel guilty. And that means your conscience is working. Because if that conscience is working, there's hope for you to change and make a different decision. Matthew 27, verse 3 says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, brought again the thirty pieces of silver, the chief priests and elders, saying, I've sinned. Notice what Judas says. He repented. He said, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. We say, that's a great start, Judas. You said you've sinned. You acknowledge your sin. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went and hanged himself. He had the right response that, yes, you sinned. But then what he did from that moment ended his life. 
You know where Judas should have gone? He should have gone to the one that was drawing all men to himself. He should have gone to the cross. Jesus said in John chapter 12, If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying what death he should die. Again in Matthew chapter 12 verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now we can talk about blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. We can talk about that theological discussion another time. I'll tell you, Judas had not committed that. So you know what that tells me about Jesus? He would have forgiven Judas. What if Judas had gone to the cross to see Jesus hanging there and could have heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You think that would have helped Judas make a different choice? And instead of taking his own life, he would have found life. He would have found eternal life. Because of the blood that was being shed on that cross. Tonight, Jesus is calling you. If you have sinned, if you know in your heart you're not right with God, you can make a decision tonight to accept the offering of Christ on that cross. You can be forgiven. And the blood of Christ that was shed 2,000 years ago that Judas could have witnessed and seen and had access to to have his sins forgiven is still available today. And Jesus says, come. But if you sit there tonight in your sin and you don't change anything and maybe you're feeling guilt, maybe you're willing to say, I've sinned, I've sinned. I want you to know Judas said the same thing. Judas said, I've sinned. I'm sorry. But he didn't take the next step. Tonight, you need to take the next step. Because sin that's unrepented of becomes a heavy burden. And when you're burdened by sin, and that sin is not forgiven, sometimes you make bad choices. But one decision tonight can change it all. And tonight, Jesus offers you forgiveness and restoration. What's the end of your story going to be? Don't let it be like Judas. But come to Jesus as we stand and sing. Oh.